Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Grab a cup of your favorite peppermint tea and a nice mug and mm. a scarf on this cold morning. And enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. <laughs> We're so happy you joined us today. My name is Jace Langley. And I'm Benjamin Olson. And we're here to continue a conversation that we've been speaking around for the last few weeks. Um, this one will probably feel especially like a continuation of last week. So if you didn't hear last week's podcast, I would go ahead and listen back to that. Um, scroll up in your podcast app or whatever that looks like. <laughs> um, but we're talking about Ruth Ward Heflin. Her book, Glory, Experiencing the Atmosphere of Heaven. And we're just talking about what the Lord has been doing in our midst. Yeah, through praise and yeah. worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's so good. I'm like, we're just a little behind the scenes. We're recording this podcast a day after the last podcast that you hear <laughs> that you heard last week. Confessions. <laughs> and it's, I'm already kind of bummed that you just don't get to hear them back to back because there's just so much good stuff yeah. <laughs> in this book. And so please be reading the book as well yeah. too, on your own. Phenomenal. Also, we normally record this podcast in the afternoon mm -hmm. and it's now the morning and I think there's just yes. something fresh. So this, this could be our best one yet. Wow. I think this is a tea boy. Mm -hmm. The best one yet. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just so you know get ready buckle up buckle up <laughs> hold on to your pants this is gonna be amazing just wow, kidding high it's expectations only god yeah it's like, only god that sounded not humble and i'm just we, so thankful for the lord oh yes we just were praying before this podcast and yeah. god is real like it still just gets me so good it's like oh <laughs> thank you that we get to be in your presence yeah Oof. We were experiencing his nearness even just now before we hit the record button and it's stunning. And that's what we want to talk about today, which was mm -hmm. perfect. So yeah. thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> we started last week's podcast with, <clears throat> excuse me, we started last week's podcast with a question, why do we worship God? And mm -hmm. I think we came up with some really excellent answers. And I just want to ask that question one more time because I want to hit it from a slightly different angle yeah. today. So I think there's a bunch of answers to that question. Um, but what, what was coming to my mind that I think is especially pertinent for this conversation around worship is that we worship God because of who he is. Mm -hmm. Like, once a person is in his presence, they almost can't help but just bow down to the most high God. Like we were just talking the other day about the end of Job, mm -hmm. weren't we? Yes. And Job has been asking all of these questions and wrestling with his suffering. And then at the end, the Lord appears to him with these incredible poetic speeches about his sovereignty mm -hmm. and about man's smallness in comparison to him exactly like where were you at the foundation of the world wow like the beginning of time and like do you know the heavenly 
the heavenly storehouses of snow wow. and hail and when to let them loose and wow. where lightning will strike and all these like just big wow. questions, you know, that, uh, yeah, it is that passage. It's in, it starts in, uh, Job 38, I believe. Um, yeah, Job 38. And it's a beautiful, I don't know. It just like, it puts me in my place. Yeah. Like if I like it, and even on yeah, prayer on Monday, it just like, brought me to praise of like mm. of who God and like our worship it brought me to worship talking <laughs> about who God is. Um, that's stunning. S- such a good, and we're going to be, I think we're going to be mentioned a few songs today. There is a song called where were you by ghost ship Ooh. and it's this in musical form Whoa. and it's so good. I highly recommend it. Wow. I want to look that up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard it. I thought you, I thought we've talked about it. Maybe uh, we probably have. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's a very good song. So I'll put that on the recommendation list. Oh, good. We should have a deep waters playlist. Wow. That's on great. Spotify. On Spotify that and Apple music. I'm mm-hmm. in. We should. Okay. Wow. Okay. We'll, talk, that we'll, to figure, to do. we'll figure that out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also to put us in context, I want to read a Psalm. Yes, please do. I just feel like it's nice to read scripture together. Um, One thing that we say in church and sing in songs is open up ancient gates or ancient doors. uh, Let the king of glory come on in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to just read the psalm that that comes from. And it's from this that a lot of language in Ruth Ward Heflin's book is coming from. Psalm 24. I think it'll be pertinent to the conversation. Actually, yeah. You want you me to read, read it? Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Benji is way, Benjamin's way better at reading <laughs> the Psalms. I don't know. Um, by the glory of God, a dyslexic boy would be any <laughs> amount of good at reading. <laughs> okay, here we go. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Thanks for reading that. Yeah, of course. Uh, honestly, I've we have a song at River House that we've been singing that's like been written by our worship team that has this in it. I don't know if I fully understand the gates and doors thing. Yeah. What's it referring to? Yeah, let me just a brief mention. Yeah. Um, I had somebody ask me that question mm-hmm. and we spent an hour and a half unpacking this Psalm. Oh, incredible. And it was so fun. Right. Get ready for the three hour podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but we won't do that. Um, I'll just say 
briefly that God has established what is secure on top of what is not secure. That's the picture of the Lord establishing the earth upon the waters, that he's creating a safe place. Mm -hmm. And in the Bible, the picture of hills and mountains are like the most high, secure, even holy places because they're touching the heavens. And Jerusalem was built on Mount Zion, which biblically is the highest hill. Not like literally in geography, Mm -hmm. but from a biblical perspective, the highest hill is the hill where God's glory dwells in the temple. So when it's saying, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? It's talking about like, who's going to walk up to Jerusalem to commune with the Lord in the temple. And the ancient gates and the ancient doors are referring to the gates and doors of Jerusalem and the gates around the temple. So they're like physical places. Yeah about a physical space that the Lord's glory inhabited for hundreds of years. Yeah. And it's also a metaphor for um, pursuing the the holy place where God is dwelling, yeah. which for Ruth Ward Heflin is like a hill that we ascend through praise, regardless of where we are geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, does that help? Yeah. No, that's so good. I think it's also, I mean, it's in, is it in Revelation that talks about Jesus coming through the gates of Jerusalem? Is that a thing? Oh, I think so. Like coming in like the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And this just even feels prophetic of like the second wow. coming of Christ that we see in, in the end wow. of the New Testament. It's also prophetic of what we see in the triumphal entry of Easter week when oh, Jesus yeah. comes into the gates. Let the king of glory come in. Um, that's almost certainly oh, the yeah. new Testament writers would have oh, thought that of makes, this with Jesus coming in more sense. So I, I think both of those things are true. Wow. But like Jesus is riding in as the King of glory to the Holy Hill, to the city of God, to, to be placed on his throne as King. Well, and what a his, beautiful Psalm. Isn't that amazing? I think Ruth Ward Heflin mentions at the end of the praise section about praise as ascent mm, that yeah. she even talks about the, the people in Israel like no matter their beliefs, they always talk about going up to Jerusalem. Like if they're in other parts of Israel, even like Northern Israel is at a higher elevation than Jerusalem, but they'll still say, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. It's like part of their colloquial language. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I love that. Yeah. Like in our culture, we say up to, if we're going North Mm -hmm. or I'm going to go down there to Arizona because it's South of us or whatever. For sure. But you'll read if they're going up to Jerusalem from Galilee, they're traveling south. So that's different than the way we yeah, typically totally. talk about up and down. But it's, yeah, it's just cool that that's. I'm so fascinated by Israel and how it's just like in like that's a real place and yeah. Jerusalem's there and that's just so cool. That's <laughs> really fun. Oh, wow. Okay, so we've ascended the hill of the Lord in our conversation, talking about praise, mm-hmm. and Ruth says, "Now when you arrive." Upon the holy hill, you encounter the presence of God in the spirit of worship. Like the spirit of worship comes and it's like you've ascended into his holy tabernacle. Yes. Yeah. And in worship, she has like two different sections. One of them is about beholding the Lord in majesty. And the second one is about beholding the Lord in intimacy. Hmm. Uh, Let's talk about majesty first. Yes. She talks about a vision of the Lord on his throne, like imagining sitting 
beholding him even at his feet. I can think of a handful of biblical pictures where something like that happens. Maybe one of the most amazing ones is Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah has this vision of the throne room and he sees the robe of God coming and descending into the temple. And he says, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then the seraphim comes and and cleanses his lips with the coal from the altar. You know that mm-hmm. scene? That's an example of a very visionary experience of what Ruth is talking about. Yes. Hmm. I, throughout this podcast, I want to mention different songs that we sing in worship to mm-hmm. kind of ground them. Um, ground them in this language so that when we sing them on Sundays, you can think about this language. But the one that came to me when I was thinking about sitting at Jesus's feet is I'm caught up in your presence. Um, and just, uh, just think about how intimate these words are. We're often numb to Sunday worship songs because mm-hmm. we just get caught in the routine. But this song says, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. So good. I think that articulates, now we've made the shift from praise into worship. Mm -hmm. I'm not even thinking about what God has done for me. And I'm not expecting anything from him. I just want to be with him. I, yeah. Like that song says. Yeah. That's wild. Like I'm not coming with intercession or petition in this moment. Not that those things are bad. Oh yeah. But this moment is reserved for just being together. Wow. Two weeks ago, uh, Jordan Werner mentioned in his sermon about um, uh, his wife, Jackie, coming up to him and saying, I feel disconnected from you. And he went into all the things that he loves about her. And that wasn't, that wasn't what she needed. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to be with him. And it didn't have, it didn't have anything to do with like, you know, Oh, you're just the best mom and you're the best wife and all the things that you do. She just wanted this deeper connection of like mm-hmm. his heart. And I mean, I love how we put that cause that's what Christ wants from us. Wow. Is just our full selves and not just, I think, I think I tend to, default to talking too much in the Lord's presence wow, um, and not receiving or, or just like being with him, you know, mm. I don't know. That's like, it's something I'm still working out. I'm not, I don't have this figured out for sure. Yeah. Neither do I. I think that's why this, these kinds of conversations can be helpful. Like I want language to help me understand what it even means to just sit with God. I think a few years ago, if someone told me to just sit in his presence and open my heart to him or look at the face of Jesus, sometimes we say that on a Sunday or in Monday night prayer, Mm -hmm. everybody just look into Jesus's eyes. That's hard for me sometimes. Yeah. If you're like me a couple years ago, I had no idea what that even meant. Oh yeah. What? (laughs) How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Is he, where, where's he at? (laughs) Are you, are you seeing him right now? Does, am I missing something <laughs> on the screen? Do we have a picture of Jesus's eyes? Can we put that up? <laughs> Can we please uh, put up the slide about Jesus's eyeballs? <laughs> um, there's another um, song that 
it's kind of similar to the one you read, but the, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, mm. lay back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat. Wow. That's like that intimacy always like has thrown me off, but I've had moments with the Lord. He's like, just like even take the position of as if you were laying on my chest as John did at the last yeah. supper. And it's at first, it's like, I mean, as a guy, you're like, okay, now what, you know, but it's like, there, there's, there's something there. And this maybe goes into more the intimacy part, mm-hmm. but still, um, it just brought to mind. So I thought I mentioned it. We can, yeah, we can touch no, back on that. If you want. Stunning. I also, sometimes what comes to me in that picture is, um, lay against my chest is for me. Cause I'm a man, I'm thinking of a father and a son. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could talk about like intimacy in the more romantic lens later. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about the place of like, what is that intimacy of a father with their child? That's so true. Just like holding the child and feeling completely safe in these strong, you know, governing perfect hands of love. Mm. Uh, What a beautiful picture. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we will touch that on intimacy. Yeah, but we can stay focused on majesty. That's good. Um, oh, I, speaking of sitting at his feet, I just I can't not mention Mar- Mary and Martha mm-hmm. in Luke chapter ten. Um, Jesus comes into the house of these two sisters, and Martha is doing a really good thing. This story's kind of become cliche, but in case you haven't heard it. I'll just tell you, Martha is like serving. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of people in her house and she's being hospitable. That's a terrific thing. Yeah. I don't want to look down on Martha. We're called to be hospitable. We're called to be hospitable. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. She's like being kind, Um, you know, serving. I don't know what what she's doing. She's preparing the challah bread, which Mm -hmm. is like the Jewish bread they might have been eating. Yeah. And maybe there's glasses of water that she had drawn from the well earlier and there's there's just a lot of service to be done and martha's busy doing that which would have been traditionally and culturally her role and it also would have been her sister's role mary Mm -hmm. but mary totally forsook that and instead of (laughs) you know thinking about oh how can i be hospitable and serve this i'm she just couldn't help herself it sometimes feels she just sat at the feet of Jesus. Hmm. Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I do. You want to read a part sure. of it? Sure. Um, now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a, she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her, then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Hmm. She was caught up in Jesus's presence. Mary was. Hmm. And she was like skipping out on her duty to be hospitable, which hospitality is not a bad thing. We need more of it in our culture. Yeah. And I I like how he kind of phrases, he like puts worry about all the things to do against just sitting at his feet. 
Wow. And I think we can see this in multiple ways. It's like life can worry us and distract us away from his presence. But also I think I worry about like all the things I should maybe be doing in his presence. Like, am I doing this right or saying this thing correctly or whatever? And he just wants us to be sitting there and listening to him. That spoke to me. That's really good. I like, I like how he kind of puts worry and sitting in his presence like as two sides of a coin. Even like, I don't know if everyone listening is going to be able to relate to this, but you and I both work for the church and like Mm -hmm. have a role on Sundays. Yeah. So sometimes I'm thinking like, Oh, what do I need to do for the sake of the youth? Because I'm sitting over in the youth section and a new guy just walked in, even though we're in the middle of worship, I like want to go introduce myself and have Mm -hmm. a little conversation and like shepherd the group, which is a good impulse. Absolutely. But it's not just sitting at his feet. And maybe that's the better thing sometimes, if Absolutely. not all the time. Yes. He, said, he says it's the better thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to imagine it's all the time, but I definitely tell myself that there are other things that need to be done. Or And I, yeah, I'm definitely convicted about that. Mm. I often am, am busy on Sundays, uh, probably at the wrong times. Sure. When I should just be sitting at his feet. Wow. And I guess if you have things to do on a Sunday or like, Maybe you have a newborn who needs to be escorted out because of their crying or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like you have to feed your baby. You, you know? have to feed like, your yeah. yeah, I haven't had a baby. I don't really know what that's like, but <laughs> you do have to feed them. You do have yeah. to feed those you have to feed humans. and water. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, of course, like you can't just sit at his feet and forget about your baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're like, yeah, it's like, but kind of like we touched on last week is, you know, taking a posture, having a posture of heart and mind to be able to, within the craziness of life, like find his presence and Mm. like tap into that nearness that we know that we, he's always near, but we're often not aware of it because of the distractions and worry of our daily lives. That's good. Of my daily life. So, and mine. So like, I think what you just said then is that, if you're holding a baby and your baby starts crying because your baby needs to be fed, you can go into the baby cry room and feed her or him Mm -hmm. and remain in the presence of God just as much as you had been when you were out in the sanctuary, fully worshiping. Is that what you're saying? You never have to leave. You don't have to leave that. I think we can, we'll kind of get, you know, bummed out or whatever. It's like, Oh, I have to miss this or whatever. But Christ is still in that room. Mm. Christ is still in like the spirit of God is still with you. And so, um, yeah, I just, I want to remember that too. I'm talking to myself <laughs> That's good. as I'm, as much as I'm talking to anyone else. Hmm. Wow. Thank you, Martha or Mary. Who was <laughs> at the feet? It was Mary. Mary. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And thank you, Martha, for being a good contrast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Jesus used Martha just as much in that passage to teach us something. Just to make a reference back, um, last week we said that praise is often singing about what God does or what God did. Mm -hmm. Worship is focusing on who he is. Um, and this isn't always the case, but sometimes 
to put other words to it. I thought praise could be singing about God. Mm -hmm. Like he picked me up. He turned me around. He, you're talking about God in the third person. Mm -hmm. Um, but worship might look more like singing to God. I'm caught up in your presence. Yeah. I just want to sit here at your feet. And both of those are great and have places like Mm -hmm. you should talk about God in the third person when you are sharing a testimony of the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. How great is our God comes to mind as a song, you know? Yeah. Our God is so good. Sing with me. How Mm -hmm. great is our God? Totally. Like this communal unity around how amazing our Lord is. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Oh yeah. That's Mm. so, so powerful. Mm. But I think there is a move um, in worship towards this focus on his presence and who he is and singing to God himself. Mm which I've found to be powerful in the last few years, seeing that across a lot of different, you know, worship artists and groups and churches. Mm. And I think we've seen the same thing happen at river house. And I think that's kind of the move of the Lord right now across the church. Yeah. From what I've heard from other people too. So, um, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but that's what it feels like. Like the Holy spirit is drawing us into that. Not to say maybe that where the church has been in the past was the wrong place, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, we're just being drawn into new things. I, yeah, I think there's, there's a mo there was probably a moment maybe in the nineties where it was a lot of like, you know, very much talking about God and like, that's a really good thing. And it's like coming, coming back to God in unity as a church to sing about the God that we like all believe in and agree with. I think that probably only takes us so far if we kind of ascribe to what Ruth Ward Heflin mentions. Mm. It's like that, that kind of gets us in the door and up the hill. But I think there's something deeper that the Lord is trying to do that the spirit is trying to move within the Western church that hopefully has a deeper impact on the souls of the followers of Jesus. Wow. So that it's not just this, like we come together on Sundays and it's this unified thing. And we're like, yay God, but we like are in his presence and becoming more like him so that then his presence is pouring out of us throughout the week and actually making a net positive impact in our culture <laughs> Yeah, where I don't think the church has been, has done that in the that's recent beautiful. past. That's my prayer for the church. That's beautiful. And I believe that his presence has the power to do that, to change mm-hmm. even the cultural view of Christians as people who are like, I don't know, people of Christ. I don't know. Amen. Wow. Just thinking. I'm, I, yeah. What that made me think is I don't want to fall in love with the idea of God. I think sometimes when yeah. we're, when we're celebrating who God is, we're just thinking about the idea of God conceptually, which mm-hmm. is great, but it's yeah. not complete. I want to take that to the place where I'm falling in love with God himself. That's so good. That's really, that's a good way to say that. I hadn't think about it that way. And also two worship songs are coming to my mind. One being an example of praise. I think shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King Mm -hmm. mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of his name. That's there's a lot of, biblical language in that mm-hmm. that's praise praise to the king a great song <laughs> such a good song yes, yeah i just want to sing and dance thinking about that song and then here's another one 
Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Wow. I just want to continue worshiping that song. That, wow. That line where it's altogether lovely, worthy, and wonderful, like that always gets me. Oh. Like just, I love, I, I don't know. There's something about the word altogether. Like <laughs> just you're all encompassing love and you're, you are, you just encompass worthiness. You wow. encompass all that is wonderful. I'm like, oh, God is so good. God is real. I felt God is real. God is real. Everybody (laughs) come on. Praise the Lord. And I like, I felt the shift even in the room in the spirit when I did those two songs. Did you feel that? Yes. I don't know if the the listener picked up on that shift, but I've felt that. I totally felt that. Like, (laughs) like, um, in the first part of the, um, worship section, she gives this picture of Jesus riding on the horse into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And we're all singing Hosanna. We did this a couple of weeks ago at church. Hosanna, Hosanna. Mm-hmm. And then like that moment when Jesus like comes in front of you, like wow. on the path and like, you know, there's kind of this tunnel vision happens and the muting of all the other voices and you just see his face that kind of happened. I mean, that very much happened with the here I am to worship song. I just was like, Oh, it just like brought me like right into like the presence of Jesus that was powerful. That was really cool. <laughs> I wow. mean, none of this, none of this is like formulaic, but that was like amazing. <laughs> like that, that was, I can attest that I felt his presence Thank in a, you, in a different way. <laughs> I, I relate. Know. That's uh, Ruth Ward Heflin talks about that a lot in this section of her book. Um, and I didn't really know what to do with it right at first, but she said, I'll be in a worship service where we're all dancing and praising. And then all of a sudden it's just, he and me. It's mm-hmm. just the two of us. Nobody else is there anymore. And she said it so clearly that I wondered, oh, did everyone else like actually leave the room? But yeah. no, she just means like suddenly you're only aware of God mm. and it feels like all of the rest of the world falls away. I, I've i had that experience. I have this experience in worship op- often, but haven't had the words to put to it. But if like one, keeping my eyes closed is super helpful to me because I'm like ADHD and just not be able to focus. Yeah. But when I do that and like after a while, you know how you kind of have those like bat senses where you can like feel people next to you even with your eyes closed? <laughs> that like I suddenly feel alone in the room. Whoa. Like it, it is super weird. And it's eerie and I'll like look up just to like, I'm like, wait, is, did people like move away from me? But there's just for like into a worship set, there's just like this distance that I feel from everyone else and just feel so alone, but for the Lord, it's like, it's, I sound like a crazy person, but like no. I've totally feel this That's um, gorgeous. in worship sets a lot. And it's like, it's my own physiological sensors are going off that. It's just me and him. Whoa. It's really cool. Well, I'm so glad you said that. I feel like you're putting experience, like language to your experience that Mm -hmm. matches Ruth's and even you saying that I relate to it, but Mm -hmm. I've never thought about it on those terms. Totally. You know, and there, there are some times when I'm very aware of the people around me, Mm -hmm. but other times they fall away. I'm also thinking about uh, an older hymn that I just love. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Mm. Um, Look in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and grace. That's so good. Mm -hmm. And that's not singing to God, but it's singing about the place of face-to-face worship. Mm -hmm. Wow. Strangely dim. It's like the world is falling away in the light of his glory. Huh. (laughs) Wow, this is fun. Yeah, this is a cool podcast. I'm I'm not (laughs) sure what to do with all this, so we'll have to, you know, figure that out at a later date, but this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I don't know exactly how this ties in, but I just wanted to say this, um, that in Exodus, Moses says, show me your glory. And this is probably something we'll bring up again in future podcasts when we're just focusing on glory. But um, Moses asks the Lord to show him his glory and the Lord passes in front of him, covering his face. And then Moses sees his back and there's this just kind of curious but incredible encounter. And then the Lord reveals his character to Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord, abounding in Oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. He says the Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious are his first two words, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Um, so there's like five attributes of God that he just lists for himself right there. And that little chunk of scripture in Exodus 34 is the most quoted section from the old Testament within the rest of the old Testament. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. the rest of the old Testament quotes that bit more than anything else in the rest of the Bible. So it's repeated all throughout the Psalms. It's repeated through the prayers of Kings like Solomon and Jehoshaphat, the prophets it's all over the place. And it's this remembrance of who God is. It's like bringing you back to a remembrance of not just what he's done, but the heart of God is steadfast love and faithfulness. Yes. Yeah, I learned about this passage a few years ago. And, you know, it's like, I don't, I feel like we should teach this at a younger age because it's like God describes God. Like, that's like, <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of important. And I don't, I don't know how I missed that because you're like, what is God? Where is God? Can we put Jesus' eyes on the screen again? Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, but like, it's like how powerful to hear like from the, the mouth of the Lord who he is. And wow. I, I love that passage. That's so powerful. And, and something we should like probably pray back to the Lord and like thank him for those things. Wow. In praise. If we're following the habit of mm-hmm. scripture itself, then definitely yeah. we should do and, that. And in worship, it's like you are compassionate. Wow. God, you are so gracious. You're slow to anger. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that good? It doesn't describe him as a wrathful God. Mm-hmm. Instead, he says he's patient in his in his anger. This I'm reading out of the NASB and it says abounding in loving kindness and truth. Yeah. And is that loving kindness is is that like grace? Have you, you heard that? Yeah. Not really. I well, love that. That's such a beautiful loving word. kindness is terrific. One word, no spaces. <laughs> yeah. Often like biblical scholars will laugh at the other languages attempting to capture that Hebrew word. Mm. It's chesed, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love that you know this. That's so, like this makes uh, me so happy. Oh, continue, wow, please it? continue. Oh, yeah. so good. Um, and Jordan references this in sermons sometimes. He calls it the Hesed love of God. If you oh, hear wow. someone say Hesed, mm-hmm. um, it's really pronounced Hesed. Mm-hmm. You have to clear your throat a little, <laughs> yeah. but there's grace if you don't want to clear your throat. The Hesed love of God, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, basically what that is 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 loving kindness. It's steadfast love. There's something wow. about Hesed that is covenant. It's committed, it's unconditional, it is immovable, and it is deeply loving. It is present and there for you, regardless of what you do to it. Mm-hmm. And God right. represents himself as that all the time. And I'm pretty sure the word chesed isn't used to describe anything other than God with maybe one exception. Uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah. I think maybe Ruth is described as having chesed hmm. to, toward Naomi, mm-hmm. which is stunning. Yes. Um, an example of how maybe sometimes in our patriarchal culture, I think it's worth saying that sometimes women capture the heart of God in ways that men don't mm-hmm. and why we create the image of God together. But I'm, I won't go there right now, I guess. <laughs> that was so good too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's going to be a three-part series yeah. coming up. <laughs> but yeah, that's... So anyway, your Bible will probably say steadfast love mm-hmm. or um, the King James Version probably said charity. Oh, wow. Because that's an old English word uh, mm-hmm. to say that kind of concept. <sighs> Loving kindness is a great translation of it. And then the other word, emet, is the Hebrew word for faithfulness or truth. Um, It's where we get the word amen from. Mm. So when we say amen at the end of a prayer or whatever, we're saying like true or Mm -hmm. let it be so. Like so it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that is dependable. And God is that. God is true. God is dependable. God is faithful. Like a rock. So... Whenever I hear that word, emet, I'm, I, I picture a rock because that's a biblical picture of God's faithfulness. He's immovable. He's constant. He's there wow. and always will be and mm-hmm. always has been. <clears throat> anyway, I didn't mean to unpack that as much. No, as I No, that was good. I, I teared up pretty good, honestly. Well. <laughs> that was like beautiful. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And... Uh, Okay, well, I'll just do a little bit more then because it's fun. Yeah. The word, I I did a study on this with the Bible Project, so that's why I'm pulling out all the Hebrew words because I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, The first word, compassionate, is racham. Mm -hmm. Um, And, wow, this is cool. Racham is compassion. Rachum is the word for Oh, wait, actually, it's the other way around. Racham is the word for womb. Oh, wow. And rahum is the word for compassion. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if that's kind of going over your head, the word the word for compassion, if we were just to make it, make the same thing happen in English, we would say that something is womby. Oh. Like, turn, yeah. the, wor- the, turn the noun womb into an adjective. Mm-hmm. It's womby. Um. Wow. And that's, that's a way of describing the, the compassionate heart of God that wants to care for his creation like a mother cares for her nursing baby. That's beautiful. So again, to like talk about the feminine heart of God and the intimacy of the Lord mm-hmm. connecting with his children. Wow. 
that that's the first word in his self-description, I think is something really significant. Absolutely. Isn't that cool? And I loved, even when I had mentioned that one song about like laying on his chest and hearing his heartbeat, I love, I mean, that picture makes even more sense as like a woomy God too. But having, um, when you mentioned like a son to his father, that doesn't feel weird at all. Like, I don't think Uh Zakai, my son, feels weird to be held by me and just to lay on my chest when he's like sleepy. It's like the best thing in the world. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but it's just in our, in our, in my mindset as like an adult, you know, it's like, I, I just, it's like, it's, um, moving towards like a sonship ideal wow with the god and i think i still have a journey there but that just made that picture all the more beautiful and kind of makes sense in the greater context wow that's mm. good woomy woomy our god describes himself as woomy <laughs> it's better to say it like, like yeah, that because yes, i think yeah. you really capture what the hebrew is trying to do i know we, i yeah we our <laughs> english does a disservice to to the hebrew words yeah. i think many times and you know that's just the that's the nature of translation mm-hmm. totally <laughs> but it's fun um our god is not a god far off he's near and you can't get more near than a baby in a womb in a mother <laughs> You can't. That is nearness That's, at its height. <laughs> the pinnacle of nearness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like, yeah, that baby's inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> the heart. Yeah, It's not even laying on your chest. It's, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's like, uh, that's an experience that even though like pregnancy and childbearing sounds really challenging, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed that I'll never experience it because that sounds sacred. Oh yeah. Doesn't it? No, totally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'd love to specifically just experience that part of pregnancy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So all you mothers out there who have experienced pregnancy. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. (laughs) Okay. Let's, Hmm. let's dive a little more into the intimacy part of this conversation. Yes. Yes. Can we? Of course. Um, I just thought this would be kind of a fun thought experiment. Uh, can you listener, and or Jace, think mm-hmm. of someone that is just really mystical about their love of God. Hmm. Like I had a professor at university who would always describe herself as being Jesus's wife and Jesus being her husband. Wow. And she would like describe their relationship in mm-hmm. marriage terms all the time. Interesting. And it was a little uncomfortable for me. She was a celibate woman. She was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just had this like mystical relationship with Jesus that kind of made me feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. I yeah. feel uncomfortable right now, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not dissing it. I'm just like, Oh, that's like, that's just a framework that I haven't really thought of. <laughs> yeah. Right. Huh. Can, uh, can you think of anyone that you know, that's just really in love with Jesus? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for the, I won't name them, but I can like, just, it's like, wow, I just don't have that. Like, I would use the word intimacy with the Lord yeah. in the same way. And I think there's something, you know, I I was thinking, I was thinking of a woman, but I can think of guys too. Yeah. And it's just, it's harder in all honesty. Yeah. For me to like connect in that like deep intimate way as a guy. So that's where it has to go to like father, son, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be Jesus's husband. Sure. Well, I mean, 
I'm his bride, technically. Which right? like it's like all that language just starts to blow my mind when I start to say it, <laughs> and I feel a little crazy saying it. Yeah, but um, not to say that it's not beautiful. You know, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Right, but. right. I, I I'm glad you say it though, because it's very biblical that mm-hmm. we are Jesus' bride. Mm-hmm. But also, it maybe should like hit us as a little bit uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like because that means that we're actually thinking about what that means yeah that like the love between the lord and the lord's people is akin to like a romantic relationship in a lot of ways i think honestly the biggest hold up for me is the um i'm trying to word the the cultural mind that i have around love and intimacy has been very skewed through my own past struggles of like sexual sin. Wow. And so I think that is like a big holdup for me. And like, I've, I've asked for like healing and that and like trying to like just get language with the Lord, but like our culture defines love and all that intimacy stuff, intimacy stuff. in I think a very different way than what the biblical writers had ever pictured. Wow. And that's, uh, that's a bummer. That's something that I grieve. Wow. That is a bummer. We do live in an over-sexualized culture mm-hmm. for sure. And so that's where, that's where it's like this love and intimacy between it doesn't, it's not like it's marriage is so much more than sexual. Yeah. You know? Wow. You, and you're married. So you. Know. I am married. Yes. <laughs> and, and I can attest that it's, it's not, it's not this like super sexual mm-hmm. thing. It's mm-hmm. like this deep, intimate, safe relationship mm-hmm. that like, no one knows me better than my wife and I to her and mm. friendship and kinship and, and there's like this deep relational aspect too. Mm. So, I mean, that's just a complicated part of our culture that I have yeah, to like sift through in my mind. And so I feel like that's where I get hung up in this intimacy world. Yeah. And I don't think I realized, I didn't, I, at least in this conversation preparing for this podcast, I've forgotten that, that I, that's something that, has been a holdup for me. Mm. I'm glad you named it because mm-hmm. one thing that Ruth Ward Heflin in this part of the book spends a lot of time doing is even quoting huge sections of Song of Songs. And she encourages multiple times for you to just read and listen to Song of Songs over and over and over again until it like seeps into your being and you think of your relationship with God in that way. Wow. But I mean, I don't know about you, but if you ever just read Song of Songs... Well, one, there tends to be a cultural barrier because, like, what does it mean for someone's temples to be, like, two halves of a pomegranate? (laughs) (laughs) Or your hair to be a flock of goats? Yes, totally. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's some cultural romance that's lost there because I'm confused by what that even means. (laughs) Your hair is like a flock of goats. Did you use that on your fiance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the pickup line. Totally. Uh huh. <laughs> That's so funny. I wooed her right away. <laughs> Your hair is descending from Mount Gilead right now, Haley. Do you know that? <laughs> she looked at me and said, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. Oh, man. Uh, but also, it's really pr- provocative. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. like, it uses super romantic, physical, sexual language. Mm-hmm. Um. And it can be uncomfortable. And I think it's a, it's okay to name that it's uncomfortable yeah. and still recognize that it's in the canon of scripture for a reason. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, I'll just, I'll just name this. Biblical scholars throughout history 
and Christians in general have taken Song of Songs to mean different things. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just say, oh, it's Hebrew love poetry between humans. Yeah. Um, just describing what, I, I mean, it's just a, like Shakespeare. Yeah. Like a, what, what beautiful love should look like between humans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Other people have said, this one was new to me kind of recently. Other people have said the woman is lady wisdom and Mm. the man is us as human and we are wooing each other, but also rejecting each other consistently, which is the relationship of like the person like in the garden of Eden forsaking wisdom Mm -hmm. and eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, like choosing for themselves. So there's this weird kind of like love relationship that is broken and you like can't find your lover Um, And Lady Wisdom is like coming to look for you, but you're like hiding from wisdom. So anyway, I'm not an expert on that interpretation for sure, but that's, that's one interpretation that's fascinating that I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially Jewish scholars, I think have seen it that way. And then the other one that Ruth Ward Heflin for sure agrees with um, is that it's a picture of the bridegroom Jesus and the bride, his church, which is us and the loving relationship that is to exist between us and God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would assume that that's the one that our church is probably more familiar with. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but I just want to put that out there to say interpretation of song of songs has been kind of a complicated history and that's okay. And whatever you see in the book of song of songs, um, I hope that it leads you to glorify in God and doesn't make you uncomfortable, but maybe if it does yeah. make you uncomfortable, the Lord is inviting you to consider him in different ways that you haven't mm-hmm. had him revealed to you as, and there could be great opportunity there for you. I think there is for me. drawing back to that marriage analogy the scripture um kind of regularly brings up this picture you know we're probably familiar with jesus calling himself the bridegroom like why would you fast when the bridegroom is present yeah no it's like this is a marriage ceremony Mm -hmm. jesus calls our attention to that or in the book of revelation it says the new jerusalem as in god's people in his city come down from heaven adorned like a bride for her bridegroom. Mm -hmm. Also in Exodus, um, and I don't know all the cultural nuances of it, so I won't get into the weeds, but when God's glory is on Mount Sinai and the, the covenant is coming out for the first time, there's this sense that because of the Hebrew language that's used, there's a marriage covenant that's being woven between God and his people. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Have you heard that? Okay. Yeah. So that's not, that's not made up. Like Mm -hmm. that's very much there. And every Hebrew scholar would agree with that. If they're familiar with the Jewish culture that like God is in a sense, marrying his people. Mm -hmm. And I think at least the marriage analogy goes back that far. And you also see it in other places like the prophet Hosea yeah, where God tells one of his prophets to go marry a prostitute. 
and says that your relationship with the prostitute, whose name is Gomer, is set on analogy with my relationship with Israel. Um, and that is a crazy story we could unpack more later. But just to say this, this romantic marriage relationship between God and his people exists throughout the Bible, like a thread throughout all of scripture. It's not mm-hmm. just in Song of Songs. Totally. Or in Revelation 21. Yeah, no, I can totally see that too. Mm. And I, I and I, I love that picture of intimacy and want to see that in the most right way I can, yeah. you know, with the Lord. Mm. Um, I think I, I've, if to take this marriage analogy, there are often times where um, I'm better about loving through doing than loving through being. Huh. And I, I see that with the Lord too. Yeah. And it's kind of like the whole praise thing or look at what I'm doing. Look at my job. I'm working for the church. Like, Oh my gosh, this is great. Like, <laughs> um, aren't I amazing God? Don't you feel so loved by me? <laughs> and, and then I think, you know, the Lord wants our lives and our, you know, daily life, but he just wants to be with us too. And like, I think mm-hmm. our, our main goal as followers of Christ is to be in a relationship with him and to seek after wow. his presence. And even on Sundays, like, are we not looking for, you know, a glory cloud to appear? Like that's not what we're trying to go after. We're trying to go after his presence mm-hmm. and it's going to look like whatever his presence looks like, you know, yeah. but that's, that's, that should be our, our main goal. Wow. And I believe that is our goal as a church too. Amen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, as do I. Mm-hmm. I think that's a the marriage analogy is helpful for that because um and Ruth Ward Heflin talks about this in her book too, but that like a husband isn't just loved because he gets the oil changed in the car or because he like does the dishes after dinner and the wife isn't just loved because she I don't know, like makes the bed one morning and you like see Mm -hmm. one another's actions and service though acts of service is definitely one of my love languages. That's one Mm -hmm. way that love can be communicated. Yeah. That's not the fullness of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Totally. Similarly, the fullness of our relationship with God isn't what we do for him and what he does for us. Like salvation on the cross is the greatest thing that anyone has ever done for anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. The greatest sacrifice. And that's not the fullness of what our relationship with God should be about. It's about just being with him. And the cross exists for the sake of our ability to be with him again in Mm -hmm. purity and righteousness. Like that's why, that's why it had to happen. Right. Wow. If I, if I understand the gospel correctly. Yes. Yeah, totally. Which I hope I do. That's, that's for sure the aim. Wow. And I, I think kind of like what we mentioned with like worship songs that does feel like the, the motion, like the cultural moment within the church Mm -hmm. is this move from, you know, how amazing, you know, what he did on the cross for us to like, just wanting to be with him in his presence. Mm -hmm. I see that like that mirrors what I was saying earlier too. Hmm. That's great. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm, one of my favorite songs for a long time, and even still, is a. Uh, what's his name from Bethel? David Funk. David Funk. What a man! Mm-hmm. What He's a got man. it going on. He does, like, um, in this place of not having felt the intimacy for a while, 
mm-hmm. and longing to feel the intimacy is this song. All I want is to live within your love. Be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Lord, I will open up again. Throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of heaven. I love those words. Oh, yes. that's I love that song. All I want is to live within your love. Oh, like let that be my prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a call for the intimate worship of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's such a beautiful song. And then you were playing a song when we were coming in um, to get rid of the podcast. Um, it's also, I think it's Bethel has put it out, but um, Leland is... Leland Moore is the guy that sings it it's called where you are. Oh, it's so good. But it's, um, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. And yeah. that, that cry of just like, I want to be with you. I love that so much. And that like, so aligns my heart. That song has always ministered to me really wow. beautifully. And if you've mm. never, if you've never been in a place where you felt the love of God, that song doesn't make any sense. Wow. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> totally. I have a really wonderful friend that I love dearly who has never believed in God. He's quite atheist. And um, at one point he told me like church services, I think I kind of understand you like have a little teaching about how to do the right stuff. But what I don't get is the like singing. Like why do people feel emotional toward yeah. God? Like it feels, he described it as culty mm-hmm. that we would sing worship. I don't think he used the word worship, but that we would sing worship to God. And I guess from the outside, if you don't believe that God even exists, which I can't imagine what that would be like to be not believe that God exists, but, um, worship is such a weird concept, Mm -hmm. but if you've encountered the love of Jesus, if you have a relationship with the Lord, which I mean, I know both of us have Mm -hmm. imperfect though. It may be absolutely. Um, it's declared perfect in Christ. Praise Mm -hmm. Jesus. And we've felt that love. And so those words cut straight to my heart. I do just want to be where you are, Lord. I want to be near your heart because I know from experience that there is nothing like your love. Mm -hmm. Like those, those words mean something to me. Absolutely. And, and they don't to the world. Um, but I think, I think if we can represent those words in the way that we live to the world, Mm -hmm. maybe we can somehow help the world be captivated by the Lord's heart, just in the way that we are captivated by him. Yeah. In those moments of intimate worship, it's, I mean, for the atheists to look up and see, you know, the Milky Way galaxy in the sky on a you know, in, where there's no light out and it's colorful and it's just insane. It's like, all you can do is be like, you know, like we said last week, take your breath away. Wow. And you're like, that's, that's the feeling that we get. Like, that's why there's been songs written about, you know, the beautiful nature and oceans and all these different things, because you like, it can't help but burst mm-hmm. forth from the artist's lips when they see something as real as, you know, El Capitan and Yosemite. Yeah it's just as us. Like I believe God is just as real as half dome. 
you know, (laughs) in a national park. And, and so it's like that same moment of awe begins to pour out. Wow. And I just want to be where you are. Like how many people do I know in Idaho who are just addicted to nature and can't get enough of it (laughs) and can't, and if they're in the city, can't wait to be out in the woods, can't wait to be out on the lake or in the river. And Mm. I'm like, what a beautiful analogy for our relationship with the Lord's presence. Mm. That's cool. I love that. It's for all your outdoorsy friends. You can tell them that. (laughs) I'm reminded of, I've probably brought this up on the podcast because I quote this a lot, but I think it's an Albert Einstein quote that there are two ways to live life. One is as though nothing is a miracle and the other is as though everything is a miracle. Yes. (laughs) I'm thinking like El Capitan. Yes. Half mm-hmm. dome, I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. Yosemite Falls, I don't know why we're talking about Yosemite so much specifically. <laughs> totally, yeah. Zion arches, yeah, uh, glacier, glacier. Yeah, I mean, or the, the Payette, list goes on. The Boise National Forest, like it's yeah. like it could be right in our backyard. I was also gonna say, even more in our backyard is literal grass. Mm-hmm. Like just there was there was a time in college where I laid down on grass after playing an intramural ultimate frisbee game, and there was this fuzzy little bumblebee playing around on the grass. And I laid down on the grass with a friend of mine, just watching that bumblebee for maybe 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was one of the more mystical things I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. I love that. Watching these teeny little wings flutter. Mm -hmm. And like, I could see the nuance in the shadows that were cast by the fuzz on the bee. Wow. And just seeing the like very small, very simple beauty of creation in that or in the lines that cut down vertically one strand of grass. I don't know. Oh yeah. You don't have to look far. You don't have to drive to Yosemite to see the glory of God. You just have to let the veil drop from your eyes and see the miracle that is all around you. Oh my gosh. You should write that down. Wow. That was so good. (laughs) Praise God for Benjamin Olsen. (laughs) Good night. Wow, thanks. I, I guess maybe I say that because I've been experiencing it lately. Mm-hmm. So is my mom. My mom has been describing it as portals oh, oh. to the divine, mm-hmm. to like the heavenly. <laughs> she says, Benjamin, there are portals everywhere. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Like for, for those who have eyes to see. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think in the um, Celtic Christian tradition, they call them thin spaces between heaven and earth. And I love <sighs> that language. That's always blessed me. I've heard and that. And I think there, yeah, I, I usually think the top of a mountain is a very thin space. Yeah. I mean, historically we see that through all the cultures. Like it's, there's something about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of my favorite places in Boise is to go where I can just be on top of a mountain. That's so good. And I just feel so connected to God. Wow. Okay. Whew. All right. Let me see. I've, I've really jumped off the notes here. So good. Um. Oh. Yes. Yes. Do Oh, one one thing that she really hit that I kind of want to hit quickly is that <laughs> sometimes praise songs can be really wordy, and that's great. Mm-hmm. She said in a worship setting, maybe ditch the projector. Like, don't even have words because they could get in the way of an authentic face-to-face moment. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that sometimes at River House mm-hmm. when we move into the spontaneous and the slide is just blank. And we say, sing a new song to the Lord and people can just kind of operate out of spontaneous worship. 
maybe all you say is thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. because you're having some kind of an encounter with his feet. Mm -hmm. Like for me, when I was first learning how to do this in prayer, I would close my eyes and imagine Jesus's feet and I would hold my hands out like I was like just holding his feet kind of weird to say it out loud. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. But, but in, in my, good, yeah. in my quiet place, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. At least I'm like, <laughs> I'm like grabbing his right foot with my left hand and yeah. his left foot with my right hand mm-hmm. and just holding them and like loving them. And sometimes I imagine myself like wiping his feet with my hair, which we didn't even talk about the alabaster jar story yet, but like being at that place, I often find myself speechless Mm -hmm. and words don't need to be present in that space. Like words might actually take away. They might not, might not make that space any more holy. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I, yeah. yeah. Words can definitely take away from those kind of intimate spaces. Wow. I think it's worth saying, because if you found yourself in a space of worship and you don't know what to say, great. Mm -hmm. Don't say anything. Totally. Just behold. Mm hmm. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like, I'll try to like say nothing, but sometimes I need to keep my mind focused too. So I'll like kind of just refrain back to like, mm. holy, holy, holy. Yeah. And then if I, if I do start to like, you know, become distracted, like in the practicalities of my mind and how it works, it's like, there's those moments where I'm just like with the Lord, but my flesh will fail and my mind will wander and I have to bring myself back to just like, and so I'll say like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Wow. Who was and is and is to come. Or like, I love, I just love you, Jesus. And it like kind of wow. re-centers, to use like some modern language, wow. recenters myself on his presence. Hmm. That's good. Um. Do you want to talk about the alabaster jar? Sure. Well, I yes. actually had a question. Please. In that David Funk song, it's Touch of Heaven mm. slash Alabaster Heart. I think is oh yeah like it's like a mashup between those oh yes and I was like oh I don't know what alabaster even means but then it's like it's like a it's just like the material right yeah but it's coming from the story of the alabaster jar and that's like Mary breaking the perfume yes is that what that is yep okay so um every gospel that has the story I think it's in all four gospels I could be wrong um says it differently, but she's named as Mary in the gospel of John. Mm -hmm. Um, Alabaster. I just Googled this. Alabaster is a mineral or rock that is soft, often used for carving and is processed for plaster powder. So that's just what the jar was made out of. Yeah. It's just a nice, beautiful jar. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. That had been handcrafted by, I mean, I'm sure in the ancient world that jar would have been precious mm-hmm. and they the ointment like, inside really mass produce anything back then so no. to have a jar full of <laughs> perfume or ointment like is is special yeah the conveyor belt didn't exist <laughs> exactly in 25 or 30 ad henry ford hadn't been around yet right <laughs> um do you want me to read this real fast would that be helpful definitely okay um Uh, I'll just start here. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus, Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. 
Mary then took a pound of a very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his hair with her hair, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And yeah. but then Judas was like, This perfume was so expensive, we could have given it to the poor. And then Jesus says, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you have always, you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Wow. Again, Mary. Did, did I read the good stuff? Yeah, that was okay. The, that was the great stuff. I, well, I skipped around a little bit, but okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like the word of God. Hmm. And that, uh, I forget if it's in John or one of the different ones, but. Jesus says like this, as long as my story is told, this story will be told of the woman that wasted this precious oil, (laughs) Mm -hmm. wasted in air quotes, this precious oil on my feet. Mm. Like, what does it mean to waste something? I think actually this, the podcast has been a good length and we've talked about a lot of wonderful things. Totally. I kind of want to just meditate on that as we conclude the, like, what, what would it look like for you listener to like break your alabaster jar at the feet of Jesus and just sit there with him? Hmm. Yeah. Let that, let that be our meditation. And we'll talk more about worship and glory moving forward, but for now, we're just really glad that you joined us. Yes. And uh, yeah, the time kind of ran away from me. This has been really special. No, it's been a good podcast. Well, thank you for listening. Um, as always, if you want to reach out, please use deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com and know that um, if you're unfamiliar with uh, Riverhouse Church, we meet on Sundays at 4 p.m. at the Vineyard Boise. So we hope to see you there. And we hope you have the best week. Love you guys. Love you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.